Hello. Hello. And welcome to Real Life Ghost Stories, episode number 10. Woo! Double figures. Can't believe we made it to 10 episodes. Nearly 10 ages. We're not very good in terms of um, longevity with things, are we? We tend to start these schemes, what I do, and then I never complete them. So, you know. I just don't start them, so. 10 episodes (laughs) is a big deal for us. So, congratulations to us. Yay, patting my own back. Anyway, hope you all had a lovely Christmas. Sorry this episode is late, but we had cat drama yesterday, so we couldn't actually get the episode out on time. So, you know, it is what it is. But it's a good episode. And it might even make good hangover material for tomorrow. That's true, when you're hungover after New Year's. Our film review this week. Now, we got a, we got a review. During we have the, quite a few reviews. To be we fair. have a few reviews, but we'll go through them at the end of the episode. But before we start our film review... I don't know who you are that told us that we needed to be less chaotic in our film reviews. Yes, I agree. And we're going to try and keep this to approximately five minutes. But you never know. There might be one day where you can order a Daniel Rambles about a film for 50 minutes podcast of your own. (laughs) Yeah, we should do that as a separate thing. Just Dan Rambles about films. So our film review this week is... The Exorcism of Emily Rose. This film was released in 2005. It has 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Well, it's a positively scored film. I know, but pause for a second because it only has 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is interesting that there's such a disparity because usually they're quite similar, Mm. Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. So I'm not sure why didn't really read that much into it i'm gonna be frank i didn't <laughs> we watched the exorcism of emily rose last night again for this i've watched it for the seven millionth time i think it's the second time i watched it and what were your thoughts dan i think it's a very good courtroom drama film i agree not a very good exorcism film nope but it's a brilliant courtroom drama and the idea of putting somebody's faith on trial is really interesting yeah, and it, I think it had to be the way it is because it builds into this idea that the story needs to be told so that you can question spirituality or something like that is the idea. And actually, they, they with the with the sort of flashbacks, which is the way they tell the story of the possession and the exorcism, it kind of leaves you with the similar questions that you would have had if you were in the jury. So it's actually quite cleverly done if you think about it like that. Yeah, it is. So there's the battle between the two solicitors. A man um, of faith. Who's going against the exorcism. Yeah, so the prosecuting barrister is a man who is, I think he's a Methodist in it or something. He's a religious man anyway. And is totally anti-crack. He is the dullest guy I've ever yeah, seen in my so life. he's so boring. <laughs> and then the the defending barrister is a lady who is trying to prove that the exorcism was necessary. So it's a really interesting look into spirituality versus science and whether or not the two can, whether or not the two can coexist peacefully or whether there is a linear divide between the two the girl who plays emily rose and i can't I did not write down her name my my research for this film review is terrible but i didn't write down her name but she's brilliant she is brilliant at being a possessed girl she is her face is amazing yeah it's very when it's done up normally it's very normal like she's quite an attractive looking woman yeah she is but then oh my goodness yeah when she's possessed she Oof. is terrifying Oof. 
The interesting thing about this film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, is that it relates directly to our story this week. This story was inspired by Sinead Hanna of The Demon Gin, who is my beautiful friend. She messaged and said, why don't you do an episode about ghosts that are attached to films? And I know this wasn't particularly what she, what she had in mind. <laughs> this wasn't what you mentioned, Aid, but we've done something but, off the back of it. Yeah, we've done something inspired by you, but you're probably not going to like it. But this was the first film that came to my head as being a ghost attached to film kind of episode. The Exorcism of Annalise Michelle is the real story of Emily Rose. I'm going to do this like we did with the Boy in the Attic episode. So we're done with the film review. Yeah, shite. How many stars do you give it? As a courtroom film, maybe three and a half. As a scary movie, maybe two and a half. Oh, I'd give it a three. I'd give it a three okay. all around. See, I was so desperate to stick within the time frame that we now have for film reviews that I was like, just move on. Move on now. We must have spent like a minute talking about it. Well, listen, now people are going to be really happy then. <laughs> but I just want to ramble about films. We'll make a separate podcast where okay. you can ramble about films. What do you know about this story before we start? Um, there's a film called... <laughs> the Possession of Emily Rose. It's, it's not even called that. Oh, is it not? No. <laughs> Exorcism. Of, of Emily Rose. Of yeah. Emily Rose. I believe that the film is kind of nondescript as to what time setting it is, but I think it actually happened in the 70s. Yeah, I told you that yesterday. Oh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. <laughs> so as always, Dan doesn't know anything about this story. Here we are. <laughs> I was trying to pretend. And he is going to hear the audio, because there is audio to go with this, at oh, the thanks. same time as you guys. And I'm going to film his re- or film. I'm going to record his reaction to it. So are you ready? Yes. Let's go. People are often surprised that exorcisms still take place. But they do. All over the world. What we know of exorcism is a Hollywoodized narrative akin to that of the 1973 The Exorcist. But the reality is somewhat different. The Exorcism of Emily Rose is based on a true story. A true story which is the best documented case of alleged possession in modern times. Annalise Michelle was born into a Catholic family in East Germany in 1952. There's a couple of important things that we need to note before we begin this story. The first being that the majority of people, Catholics included, did not believe in the devil, so the existence of demons or even the notion of possession was not an idea regularly bandied about in these parts. The second thing to note is that at this time East Germany was heavily influenced by the atheist ideal of the Soviet state. It's important to note that she was a Catholic, but also important not to dismiss this case because of it. Annalise was a very sickly child. So much so that she started school later than others because of her delicate health. Despite this, she seems to have had a relatively normal childhood and was spoken of positively by the people around her. In 1968, Annalise had her very first episode. She collapsed in school and woke later in the night paralysed. This only lasted moments, but it frightened Annalise beyond all measure. Her second episode did not occur until August 1969, when she had another episode of lost consciousness and paralysis. Annalise's mother took her to her doctor, who then referred her to a neurologist, who conducted tests to determine the cause of these episodes. It was concluded that there was a possibility that she was experiencing epileptic seizures. No medication was prescribed at this time. In June 1970, Annalise suffered her third episode and visited a different neurologist who conducted the same tests that had been done previously. This time, however, the neurologist noticed irregularities in Annalise's brain patterns. She was prescribed anticonvulsant medication. During this time, Annalise had been admitted into hospital and reported seeing Fratzen, 
which is the German word for creatures known as grimaces. She described the hideous demonic faces that she saw and the feeling of emptiness that accompanied them. She also described the smell that resembles sulphur and burning feces, a smell which seemed to appear more and more frequently in her presence. As time moved on, the grimaces appeared more and more, the smells intensified and the faces were accompanied by voices which damned Annalise to hell. Over the next two years, Annalise Michelle was taken to see numerous doctors and was given medication to treat the epilepsy and the apparent psychosis that had begun to take over her. There is no record of anyone suggesting that Annalise Michelle was possessed. In August 1973, Annalise Michelle began to hear knocking sounds that kept her awake at night. Again, she was taken to a physician who tested her hearing to ensure that there were no auditory issues. Her hearing was fine. Later, Annalise began to lose the ability to walk and speak and suffered bouts of severe depression. According to her mother, one evening at dinner, Annalise's hands swelled to an enormous size and Annalise cried out, I have black hands, my saviour forgive me. She described the demonic faces she could see as having seven crowns and seven horns. Annalise's medication was clearly not working and it was only now that the idea that she may be possessed was even considered. At some point in 1973, Annalise found comfort in a priest, Father Ernest Alt. Alt seems to have been a source in Annalise's life whom corroborated the idea that she was possessed. She became more and more intolerant of religious objects and her mother reported that one day she found Annalise in a trance-like state, standing before a statue of the Virgin Mary. Her eyes had turned completely black. In 1975, Father Arnold Renz became involved in the case. When he visited her, he reported that he witnessed her being thrown around the room by some great force and each time she would get up onto her knees and recite the Hail Mary prayer. Because Annalise was thrown to the ground so often, she resorted to sleeping on the floor, something which continued for three years. The family and priests, believing that all medical avenues had been exhausted, decided to conduct a trial exorcism to decipher whether or not Annalise was truly possessed. According to testimony, one of the priests sat down next to her bed and mentally commanded the demons possessing Annalise to leave her body in the name of Jesus. Annalise responded by choking herself and destroying the rosary beads that she wore. For the priests, this was proof enough. What's really interesting about this case is that everything is documented. You see, the Catholic clergy must make detailed notes and recordings of each time an exorcism is performed. The recordings of the exorcism of Annalise Michel still exist to this day. In August 1975, Annalise Michel underwent her first exorcism. As soon as it began, the demons made themselves known through Annalise. The following is the real recording of the exorcism of Annalise Michel. Ja, 
So what do you think? I really hate listening to that kind of thing. Why? Because it's like, I guess, because they're stupid noises, aren't they? They're not stupid, but they just sound like someone going, like that. Which Are you possessed? Easier to do with my sore throat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just the knowledge that, it, like, regardless of whether you think it's demonic possession or mental health issues, it's just the fact that someone was actually doing that live. Like, it was an, it's an actual recording of someone not messing around. Yeah. Doing it in seriousness. And I mean, a lot of it's intelligible, isn't it? No, no un- what's the word? Unintelligible, Unintelligible. In these tapes, Annalise's six demons came forward. Lucifer, Judas, Nero... John, Paul, Mark and Ringo. No, Mark, who's Mark? <laughs> he's with the Apostles. <laughs> you go mixing the Apostles with the Beatles, here you go. Who's that one? John, Paul... Ringo. John Paul, Ringo George. and George. Yeah. Not Mark. <laughs> Mark's that fifth people and nobody knows about Okay, let me try that again. Seriously <laughs> this time. Lucifer, Judas, Nero, Cain, Hitler and Fleischmann. Why are you pointing at me for? Did you say Hitler? Yeah. I heard, I thought she I said Seek Hell. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's got nothing to do with it. I was wondering if you'd pick up on that. Yeah. Interestingly, the demon Hitler always spoke with a perfect Austrian inflection. Annalise began to speak in tongues and attacked family members with a newfound superhuman strength. She barked like a dog, bit the head off a bird, ate spiders and began to drink her own urine. She was thrown around with such force that she would bounce from wall to wall and was always covered in bruises. Despite the fact that she ate huge quantities of food and drink, she became more and more emaciated. Furniture was reported to move on its own in her presence. Through all this time, Annalise maintained a relationship with her boyfriend, Peter. It was on a walk with Peter that Annalise had a vision of the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary had asked Annalise to continue her possession as penance for the sins of the world. Annalise agreed. She wished to be martyred. After this moment, the demons during future possessions described themselves as being trapped within her. They wanted to leave, but they were bound to her. After this point, it was alleged that Annalise developed stigmata, wounds on her hands and feet that resembled the nails used to crucify Christ. Shortly after the appearance of the stigmata, Annalise began to decay. No one could understand why, but despite the constant food and drink, she began to waste away, literally decaying before people's eyes. On the 1st of July, 1976, 23-year-old Annalise Michelle died. She had endured 67 attempted exorcisms. When she died, she weighed 30 kilograms and both her knees were broken due to continuous violent genuflexion. The priests and her parents were charged with negligent homicide but served no prison time. They did not gain any profit from the case or the subsequent film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Annalise Michelle's post-mortem showed absolutely no abnormalities in her brain, not even on a microscopic level. It's very similar to that film, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's like, um, it depends what side of the coin you fall on in terms of your own beliefs and understandings of that kind of thing, I guess. There's an argument, you could see, sort of going back to the film, you could see the argument for epilepsy or psychosis mm-hmm. or something like that um being quite strong but then also you, i guess if you're siding on the spiritual side of things it's something that that could happen and actually there's some things in there that's that are quite hard to explain away from psychosis i guess 
Particularly if she's eating and not actually getting anything. Yeah, from so it. report now you have to remember that everything about this story is based on witness testimony. Mm. So obviously there's the recordings, the audio recordings of the possess- of the exorcisms. But everything else comes from witness testimony. And apparently she was eating like gorging on food. There was um a report that she would eat huge quantities of food and then drink two litres of juice or water all in one go. But she literally just could not put on any weight. And there was a report that the previous year she had had a similar episode where she was eating, eating, eating and losing vast quantities of weight. But she had recovered. Yeah. But to me, it's indicative of an eating disorder. It's not necessarily anything supernatural. But if you do, the, but there has to be some sort of exit of the food, though. For the like, they don't say anything about her throwing up. Or, but maybe they just didn't see it. And her actual cause of death was apparently starvation. But there was no injuries on her body that are conducive with somebody who's died of starvation. So you know, if somebody dies of starvation, they get sores. Um, where their skin is too thin, where they've been bed bound, whatever. There was none of that. She just starved and nobody really knows why. So it's a really interesting case. It's, a, it's the documentation of it, I think, isn't it? All the evidence and stuff that they've got to back it up. Because without going too conspiratorial, that kind of stuff gets covered up very quickly normally, doesn't it? Because they don't really like you to know about that, the ins and outs of what happens and that kind of thing in the church. No, and in Germany at the time, there were only three exorcists and apparently they all practiced in secret. Even though it was a, you know, there was obviously a large number of Catholics, the German society was not hot on the devil. Whereas in France at the time, there were 70 exorcists who were all very open about what they did. Mm. So there was a different mentality around the idea of the devil and demons. It wasn't something that was universally accepted or it wasn't something that people were really frightened of. And I think what makes this case even more interesting is the fact that there was so much medical intervention. Yeah. Up until the day she died, she was... Was it East Germany as well? Did you say yeah. East Germany? Yeah, so it's, again, it's a different... Different yeah. mentality over there because it's very anti, like you said in the opening, it's quite yeah, it was, anti-religion. It was leaning towards a secular state yeah. rather than being a religious state. And up until the day she died, she was still taking her medication. She never stopped taking her medication. <gasps> That's not what it said in the film. My God. Lies. So what do you think? Do you think it is paranormal or do you think it is a very sad case of mental health issues? I think it's probably, I've got to decide on paranormal because I like that kind of thing. I think it's important that I don't... I think it'd be very hard to build a case for neglect in either way. Mm. I know they got charged with it, but they didn't go to prison. I don't think anybody in this case set out to harm this girl. I think everybody in this case had her best interest at heart. Yeah. Even if they were misguided. Yeah, and it's even even harder to prove so if she carried on taking her medication all the way through. Because that was kind of the selling point on the in the film, wasn't it? Yeah, that she stopped taking her medication. She stopped taking her medication, that was her downfall, and therefore that was it's very hard to pin neglect on this, I think. So yeah, that that's that's one thing I would say, regardless Mm. either way, but I'm gonna go paranormal. I'm gonna go mental health issues. Yeah, I knew you would. See, the thing is, that audio is really scary. Yeah. Because as humans, we don't like to believe that we could ever be in that state. But having worked in the mental health sector for as long as I did, like I saw people do the most awful things, horrific things that you wouldn't think were humanly possible to do. But mental health is a really tricky thing. And it's yeah. not, you know, those those six demons that she apparently was harboring, like... Cain and Hitler and they're all really common Judas yes so they are they're just they're just the ultimate bad guys and there are some theologians who suggest that the demons took the form or took the names of those people 
to give it a contextually frightening situation. But actually, I think this is a girl who whose mental health was grasping onto those quintessential bad guys that she knew of, like Cain yeah, and Hitler. Yeah, living memory at this point as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is living memory, especially in Germany. I mean, yeah. of and every time Hitler came through, she would um, greet the priest with a sikhail. So I can't square this one as being paranormal. Yeah, but you don't like possessions anyway as a rule, do you? No, I don't, because I don't really believe in it. I've seen too much crazy shit in the mental health world to to actually believe that people are possessed. And I I told you before, I met a woman who claimed she was possessed and actually she was just really unwell, unfortunately. If you do watch The Exorcism of Emily Rose, just bear in mind that it is actually based on a very, very true story and a very well-documented story. Interestingly, Annalise Michelle is heralded as an unofficial saint by a lot of Catholics. Her feast day is the 1st of July, which is the day she died, because Catholics who believe that she was possessed believe that she did penance for the sins of all mankind and that she was martyred. Before we finish today's episode, which has been surprisingly short, but I'm sorry, it's the new year, we're tired. I want to thank some people for their gorgeous reviews that they left us. Are you ready for this? Yes. It's review time. I would like to thank Tia underscore zero seven, who said that we had a great show, that she loved the banter between us and that she wished our shows were longer. Yes, Queen, they're not going to be because it takes me so long to edit yeah, and them. Yeah, so the first one we've done since you've left that review is now actually shorter. Sorry. <laughs> you reviewing, we apologise for that. And she also said that she hates creepy children and understood the feeling of wanting to dropkick somebody down a flight of stairs. It's not just you. It speaks to my soul, baby. I would also like to thank Anna Young Music, who said that she loves this podcast. She said that we are interesting and different and that she likes the variety and it keeps her waiting in anticipation for the next one. I would also like to thank Jimmy or 87, who said that this is a great new podcast for this genre. This is the guy who binge listened to all the episodes on a drive back from the Lake District and messaged me. Um, He said that it's funny, but it actually keeps the spooky genre as well. I mean, we are hilarious. I would like to thank Dee, who said it is a delightful terror. That sounds very posh, doesn't it? A delightful terror. She said that she loves our chemistry. However, this is the one that said that our reviews in the beginning were too long and chaotic. And we listened. We listened. To the point where it's so short, we even forgot to round it up today. Sorry. We're we're trying, okay? We're not very good at this. I apologise. That's my fault, really. You should see how much I have to actually cut out of these episodes. Like, it is ridiculous. Most of it's me. We have back in black one two one two. What a great username! Who said that they are so glad they found this podcast and they found it after the plug from Brohio? Woo! We love Brohio. This person is making their way through all of our episodes one after another, and they, this is the person that wanted me to say fantastic. So there you are, fantastic in my lovely Irish accent. We have Seabroad90 who said that they were loving it so far. Their only criticism was the fact they had to turn off the boy in the attic episode because it was too scary. <laughs> I'm still terrified that Lorcan Bale is going to come and get me, but that's beside the point. Hey, he's too busy and, hanging with his brother Christian, don't worry. Hey, and finally we have Heidi, who is Heidi Gray 22 who said that we are absolutely fantastic. You guys are doing a brilliant job and keep up the good work. Kisses. Mwah. So. Mwah. There was, a little, there was a little kiss face emoji at the end of oh, it. That's okay. why I did that. I didn't just do it for the crack. Like. Oh, okay. So you guys are fantastic. See what I did there. And we love you. And I'm sorry this episode is short. I kind of thought it would be longer. Yes, I do. But here we are. It's because you're stopping my rambling. Yeah, it's because I am being like, no, we have to stop rambling all the time. 
as always, come and talk to us. Tell all your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are there. At Real Ghost Pod. Brilliant. Thank yes. you. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we are also there at Real Ghost Stories. Real Life Ghost Stories. What's the name of our podcast? At Real Life Ghost Stories. I think we are on Instagram. We also have a Facebook closed group, which is uh, Real Life Ghost Stories. You can you have to answer secret questions to be able to join that one. And we're on Snapchat at Real Ghost Pod, but I don't really use that because it's too much of an effort. So come and talk to us. I literally love it when people talk to me about different episodes. It makes me really happy. Also, if you have any suggestions, if you have any requests, I know there are people out there who have requested that I do episodes on various places where they're from. I promise you I am on that, but I don't want to do that until they're properly researched. So I don't want to do a half-arsed episode on somebody's hometown because that's not very fair. So I am on all of that jazz and we love you. Have you got a closing statement? Uh, We'll have a normal length episode next time, right? Bit of a Yeah, we will. This is actually only going to be about 30 minutes long. Just, just time to have a cup of tea. Yeah, we'll just. Do you want us? Should we sing a song at the end? What yeah. were we singing earlier? <laughs> oh, we were singing Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You don't want to hear us doing that. So next week will be another episode. Will be another episode of something stunning. We're just rambling now. Let's just let's just end it here. Bye. Bye.